Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. You know, you, you, you know, schools are starting up again. And here on this program and uh, across the broadcast day here on KSL News Radio, for some time now, we have dedicated much time to having conversations uh, revolving around the return to school. We've spoken to teachers, we've spoken to parents, we've spoken to administrators, we've spoken to school board members, we've spoken to everyone, everyone who could possibly be impacted uh, by the return to school, someone who is experiencing it in some way. And I'm ashamed to say, I'm ashamed to say that there is a, a relatively small group of children who might did not consider and those are the these children uh, who, along with their families, are having a hard time these days securing housing. Homeless. I think homeless is an indelicate word these days. I'm probably supposed to uh, use a different, more sensitive word. But uh, very basically, uh, homeless children, you know, they still have to learn. And there are about 200 of them currently living at the Road Home Family Shelter. And joining me now, representative from the shelter, is Alicia Gleed. Uh, Alicia, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you? Uh, I'm well. Uh, I owe you an apology. As I have uh, approached this topic of uh, the return to school, I have, uh, ashamedly so, not thought of the the children living in your facility. What's their experience right now? You know, I think um, the kids, as they're getting up to go back to school, are feeling the same anxieties and the same excitement as every other kid that's getting ready to go back to school, right? They get excited to go back. They are nervous to go back um, for some um, of the kids, they may be going to a new school, and that's always stressful. Um, and then, of course, with, you know, the COVID conditions, that's also changing everything where, you know, some kids are going to be doing virtual learning, some kids are going to be in classes. So, you know, I think one thing to remember is, you know, the kids that we're serving are really the same as any other kid, and they're feeling those same anxieties and those same excitements, you know, and the only tricky part is that they have that additional you know, worry that they're also displaced from their home currently, which is one thing that, like, our team is always striving to do. Everything um, that our team does is really trying to help um, the families that we're serving to move back home um, into a, you know, a stable living environment. Uh, with your facility in Midvale, am I correct to assume that the, the students in your facility will all attend the, the Canyons District? You know, not all of them will. So we actually, um, there is a law in Utah that allows for children to continue going to the same school that they 
um, would be going to um, before they became homeless. So that way, there's not as big of a disruption in their learning. So currently, I know, um, I think a majority of the students are going to be in Canyons District, but there's some that are also going to other districts as well. Um, but I know that the Right now, there are approximately um, 19 different school buses that will come and pick up kids and take them to 19 different schools um, wow. across the valley, which is pretty amazing. And we are so lucky in that you know in that we have some great partnerships with the school districts. They're just incredible, um, really working hard to make sure that the children that we serve have the best um, opportunities to learn and really help to. Um, work with the kids that are staying in shelter with their families. Have the have the parents of, of these children who are in this uh, unfortunate situation uh, made all the more comfortable thanks to efforts uh, by you and others, uh, but are the parents of these children able to make the, the same uh, decisions in terms of in-school learning or online or homeschooling uh, as parents in more traditional settings? Yes. Yep, that is the great thing is they are able to look at that. You know, I think sometimes the the complication can come in if you have, um, as the parents are trying to look for housing or employment or they are employed and they don't have a, you know, maybe a daycare, you know, situation or somewhere where their kids can go. That sometimes kind of makes that decision for them, which, you know, I think a lot of families in Utah are experiencing right now, right? You have both parents working and, you know, that kind of helps them, to, you know, they kind of feel like, well, the kids need to be in school so we can go and do all of the other things. But we do have some kids that are going to do the virtual option um, as well as kids that are going to go back full time. And so we're just so grateful for, like, one, thank you for having us on and talking about this. This is wonderful. Um, and we're really grateful to the community who's really stepped up and helping us um, collect donations so the kids are ready to go back to school. You know, we're collecting all the kind of school supplies pens, pencils, um, graphing calculators, um, you know, paper, notebooks, backpacks, all of those kinds of things, but also face masks, you know, where they're required in school. That's a big one that we're asking for this year um, that we haven't necessarily in the past to make sure that, again, as these kids go back to school, they will um, be able to be safe as well. You still have a need for all those items you mentioned. We do, yes. And we are trying to find those items for not only the children that are staying in our Midville Family Resource Center, you know, and are currently experiencing homelessness, but also the families that we're supporting in um, our housing program. Um, also, we're trying to make sure that all of um, the kids that are in those programs are also able to have all of the items that they need to go back to school. Those items help not only for like the the practical concerns. You need a, a pen or a pencil to do your homework. You, mm -hmm. you need shoes on your feet, of course. But there is also a, a, a like an attitudinal component. There is a, a mental component. There is a, a sense of pride and comfort and confidence uh, instilled in children who are uh, armed with these supplies. Is that right? There is, yes. I think, you know, again, as the kids get ready to go back to school, I think as they have all of these items and they can walk in feeling prepared, um, that really does, like, I think you worded it perfectly. It gives them the confidence they need to walk into that school and feel more like they're like every other kid there, right? They can kind of forget about everything else and just focus on their learning and feel prepared to do that. Um, they don't feel different or, you know, anything else. And so all of those items, you know, it, it's interesting because as we talk about things like that and items, you know, it seems like such small things, right, to um, have like a pencil or a pen or an eraser or glue or whatever else it is that they need. Um, 
But for the children that we're serving, that truly does make a huge difference. And, you know, I feel lucky enough in um, being able to work at the road home that I've been able to see the difference that that makes in in kids' lives. And they do. They get so excited about it. And it really does give them such a sense of self-confidence and you know, they're, you know, as they go off to school, but it's also a nice relief for the parents. You know, they're not having to worry, like, oh, where are we going to get these items? We're already trying to figure out, you know, where, like, as we're, as they're trying to figure out their journey, like moving home and finding a new place to live and things like that. They don't have to worry about those things. So it brings a really great sense to the whole family, I think, that kids can, their kids can go back to school and they have all the items that they need to be successful. Someone listening right now, they want to help. Where do they find information on how to donate? Yeah, so you can visit theroadhome.org, um, and we have all of the addresses um, on our page as well as our needs list. Um, we also, if, you, if people are on Facebook, um, it, our handle is at the Road Home UT, and we have all of the back-to-school items listed there as well. Um, we do accept, again, donations can be dropped off at our um, Midvale Family Resource Center, which is 529 West, 7300 South in Midvale. Um, and we're just so grateful for any support that the community can give. And again, just the awareness um, that, you know, our, the children that we're serving are, again, like any other kids, and they need the support. Alicia Gleed, thank you so much with The Road Home. Uh, good luck to you and good luck to all those students uh, uh, knocking on school's door here coming up. Thanks again. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right now. And when we come back, I am so looking forward to uh, this next conversation. We'll be speaking with a woman whose great-grandmother, all the way back in 1936, made a decision, a $500 decision, to buy a home. How did that home purchase impact the financial circumstances of her descendants for generations? We'll speak to the great-great-granddaughter uh, of someone who made a fantastic financial decision years ago, and what it means today. That's coming up next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.